0: Well, it's uh, great to be here and uh, especially to have that opportunity uh, to read the Bible, to sing with God's people as we look forward to doing that uh, more and more over the coming weeks and months. Now you'll notice I have a picture here of Hamilton Island and that's really where we're streaming live for you. And I want to thank Stuart uh, for that opportunity. But what's more amazing is that there is a church building just like the Oran Park church building at Hamilton Island. Well, when I saw the schedule for preachers, I was anticipating uh, attendance might be down. But seriously, this is terrible. I certainly wasn't thinking first sermon, live stream... Uh, even my mum might be watching, an empty building, all firsts for me. We enjoy good, solid, great preachers here who love the Lord. They seek to live the message, and I want to encourage you to pray for each of them as they prepare uh, during the weeks ahead. Amy, who is our admin person, shared a note with me uh, for this coming week's newsletter. And it went something like this Honorary Pastor Steve spoke briefly, much to the delight of the church. Well, church, let's see what happens. Business as usual is what's happening. Whenever we open God's word, when it's read to us, uh, when we have it preached, Uh, We are to listen to him and uh, it's no different under the present circumstances. From quarantines and isolations all over the shop to hysteria, fear, so-called un-Australian behaviour, tears, utter confusion, border closures, at time chaos, to the Prime Minister constantly being on the TV asking for order. Measured responses, calm, care and concern. And then there's nations, billions of people, folk all over the world under the pump and many millions who don't even know what's going on. It's all happening. Has anyone ever seen anything like this? A lot has been made of the Aussie spirit of care and share with the fires and drought, and indeed, we've seen lots of heroism and sacrifices, even at the cost of people's lives. It's clear that with the ever-increasing rules concerning COVID-19, social distancing and isolation, that it will become difficult for us to care for one another and bear one another's burdens even one's own family. I mean, for me personally, I'm in social isolation, if you will, from my seven grandchildren for maybe six months or even longer. My mum, some immediate family members in Queensland. I have two ill, uh, Ill- uncles. Um, you know, the list goes on. But how much more heartbreaking is it for? millions of others Australians, for people overseas, and so on. Nevertheless, as believers on the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of King and Lord of Lords, we can walk this crisis with confidence and hope. Why? Well, last week, Stuart spoke about how to survive in a coronavirus-filled world. And as we looked at Jonah in the Bible, he placed before us new patterns, new priorities, new preventions, not so much to do with the physical dimension of life, but to do with our spiritual walk as Christ's apprentices. We need to keep trusting, to keep knowing that Christ rose from the dead, that he's defeated, our greatest enemy. And I want to build on that with two verses, a couplet, from one of my favourite psalms, Psalm 68. Psalm 68, verses 19 and 20, you'll see the title is Daily and Eternal Help. So I want you to open your Bible or your tablet or device or whatever to Psalm 68. You'll find it in the middle. Some take notes, some don't. Whatever the case, it's always good to check out what the preacher is saying. But more importantly, isn't it wonderful to know of God's willingness and power to open our minds to what he is saying to us? He wants us to enjoy what the Puritans might describe as the feeling sense of Scripture. Because what we're getting here is not just information, but enriching and the core of our lives, our worldview and lifestyle. So let's pray as we look at these two verses. Let's quieten our hearts and our minds as we prepare. Our gracious God and Father, we pray that you will shine light upon your word, the Bible, as we study these words. We pray that you will shine light upon your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we understand why he came. We pray that you will shine light into our hearts and that we may not shrink back into the darkness. And all these things we pray through our Lord Jesus Christ. And together, church, we say, Amen. I guess most of us will know the footprint story. It's printed on posters, um, bookmarks. Uh, You'll find it in psychologists' rooms and even in hospitals. There's the lovely beach scene with footprints on the sand. In essence, it's the story of a man who looks back over his life and he sees his life as a long walk on the beach with God. Sometimes, two sets of footprints. But then in the darkest and saddest times, there's only one set of footprints. And naturally, he questions the Lord about this. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the low times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. You've disappeared. You've abandoned me. The Lord replies... My precious child, I would never leave you during those tough times when you see only one set of footprints. It was then that I carried you. Well, that leads well into David's words in Psalm 68. Our couplet this morning is verses 19 to 20 and it says, Praise be to the Lord our God, To God, our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Don't you just love those words? I mean, how good are they? Just wonderful. These are among some of God's great reassurance to us. Words that underpin what the Lord continually reveals of himself in the Bible from beginning to end. They really do inform our experience if we follow Jesus. Let me prove that to you. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verses 30 to 31. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you. He's not a bully. He's a warrior. He'll fight for you before your very eyes and in the wilderness. Then you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. All the way you went until you reached this place. And then Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath is his everlasting arms. Jesus Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Revelation. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Isn't that just wonderful? Today I want to do an aerial survey, an overview of Psalm 68 and then drill deep into verses 19 to 20 and give you some take-home gems. So all up, three points today. I'm a three-point preacher normally. God gives himself to our entire journey. God gives himself to us daily and God gives himself to us eternally. Firstly then, God gives himself to our entire journey. A Psalm 68 overview. 35 verses. We're not going to go through them all, I can assure you. We're going to have a drone survey. Not a dreary survey, but a drone survey. And there are two things I want us to hear. The first one is this. A quote written in 1899. The theme of this magnificent psalm is the march of God to victory. It traces the establishment of his kingdom in Israel in the past. It looks forward to the defeat of all opposition in the future until all the kingdoms of the world own the God of Israel as their God and pay him homage. What we have is a song of David, and it's very upbeat. David looks at the journey of God's people back as well as forward. In essence, a journey from Mount Sinai, where they are constituted a nation. They're in the wilderness wandering. They go to Egypt. There's the conquering, the possessing, the settling of the land that God has promised them. And that's where we're up to with David and his experience here as king in Jerusalem, who wrote the psalm. But then David looks to the future. Verses 32 to 35, God supreme over all the kingdoms of the earth at the end of the journey. That's the future. And note, without fail, All the way through, God gives himself to his people the entire journey. Secondly, while this is a psalm that sees God win in the end and is full of victorious language, we know, don't we, that there was so much suffering, so much disaster for God's people in that journey. Why doesn't David mention that? Well, he does. Because there's hints in these verses. Words like, look at verse 1. May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. What about verses 5 and 6? A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Verse 6. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. The rebellious live in a sun scorched land. And verse 10 God, you provided for the poor. What about verse 28? Summon your power, O God. Show us your strength, our God, as you have done before. Yes. There's wars and conflicts and we see God's people do suffer hardship and adversity, but the psalm speaks to us overwhelmingly of God's grace, his goodness and power through the midst of all that. For the Lord is great and powerful and wonderful God. Listen to him, sing to him and be encouraged. Yes, it's a hard journey, but a successful journey because God is incredibly great and caring and powerful. Here's the thing. For us the relevance is to see God gives himself to us for all who trust in him in the entire journey and preeminently in the person and work of his son Jesus and the Spirit of Jesus, who is within? A while ago, I was enjoying a catch- up with some guys uh, who are certainly not uh, Christian, not followers of Jesus Christ. I was uh, connecting with them. Uh, they see Christianity as a lifestyle choice. Uh, so I go to church. I might do Bible study, that sort of thing. Uh, one's into league. Uh, Another one's into uh, fitness, uh, family, the men's shed, uh, the house, travel, business, uh, and the list goes on. All choices, they say, of lifestyle. But you see, Christianity is 24-7. It's much more than simply a lifestyle choice. Here's a quote from you, from a friend of mine. Christianity is a full-time following of Jesus. There must be many people who say, I poss- couldn't possibly come to church because I'm not prepared to give up an hour once a week. And unfortunately, there are many Christians who now think like this. But God doesn't want you to give up an hour a week. He wants you to give up 24 hours a day, and the paradox is when you give to the Lord Jesus Christ every hour of every day, you are more liberated than to hanging onto it for yourself. There's some Christian grit to chew over, isn't there? What does the Lord say when it comes to making, growing more apprentices Jesus I will never leave you or forsake you when it comes to the entire journey never will I leave you never will I forsake you so we say with confidence the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid when you arrive on the last day and you go safely through the gates of heaven, what does that actually prove? It proves that you have not been abandoned any day. Let me say that again. If you arrive on the last day, it proves that you've not been abandoned on any day. You've been watched and guarded, sustained and provided for every day. The Lord who has given you your physical life and your spiritual life is watching you every day. Like the fellow in the footsteps story, we have to learn that God never forsakes us any day, but carries us on many days. From the beginning of our journey when we meet Jesus at the cross to when we join Jesus in heaven when he gives us a crown. Firstly then, God gives himself to our entire journey beginning to end. Secondly, God gives himself to us daily. Verse 19, praise be to the Lord, to God of our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens or who daily bears us up. Don't you just love the thought and reality of that? I'm not sure, but maybe you're a baffled believer at the moment, wondering what's happening in God's world. You're quite scared, particularly anxious, or at minimum you have a heightened sense of foreboding and shock Fear about this uh, COVID-19? Where can I go out safely? The older kids perhaps show concern, feeling your feelings. They see the news. They're not going to school. Or if they're at school, there's hardly any other kids. What does this all mean? When will it all end? Is this really happening in the 21st century? First, be assured that these difficulties are not unique to you. Whether it's the burden of a new routine at home and work with the, oh, I'm going to drive myself crazy, or am I going to be paid, let alone still employed? Or already I've lost my business and I can't pay the wages. And then there's life's expenses, kids, power, food, Netflix, rent, mortgage, petrol, even the next meal – What about the balance of kids and work, family and friends in other places, borders closed overseas? Again, these difficulties, these burdens, these distresses are not unique to you. Most significantly, the burden we as a community must bear is not so much economic, social isolation and distancing, unnecessary travel and the like although these will be crushing for many. But it's the consequences of all that. It's going to be really tough because we're made for relationships. It's part of our God-made DNA. We long for people, love and security. I mean, the nursing homes do it tough at the best of times. How hard will it be for them now? We have more people living alone in Australia than ever before. There's mental illness chronic illness, and so on. How hard will it be now? There are more homeless, immigrants, and the list goes on. And we, all of us, are in the mix, trying to get a handle on ways forward with an ever-changing situation. Oh boy, who's up for this? It's too big, and mistakes will be made as they already have. Again, Psalm 68. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens. Daily bears us up. Who's the Saviour? Listen to him again. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. Again, church, how good is that? But what does that mean? I don't want these words just to flow over you. The prize, God's riches for us, are in the text. That's where you'll find the treasure. Well, the Lord is the burden bearer. And this contrasts sharply with the gods of those days, which had to be carried on weary beasts and human shoulders. It's the same today. These verses, together with the words of Jesus, are so counter to our culture, where the world carries its gods and indeed their burdens on their shoulders, never knowing relief, but sinking deeper and deeper under the load. The apprentice of Christ can give over the burdens completely, utterly, wholly to Jesus, whatever they may be, because he is with us daily and we can trust him. Psalm 62, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Is your family or your marriage struggling? Kids right off the rails. Have you a desire or emotion that you can't manage? A work colleague unbearable. Are circumstances so beyond you that you're not coping? Well, it seems to me that you could possibly do with some help, especially now that COVID-19 has ramped up the pressure a thousandfold. God gives himself to us daily. He listens to us, watches us. He sustains us, provides and protects us. Now, I simply want to share one more thing here under this particular heading. If this Jesus, who is our saviour, is able to handle our greatest burden, which is our sin and guilt, then we can be absolutely sure that he can handle these other smaller burdens. Now, I'm not being flippant here. The Bible makes it very clear that we cannot rescue ourselves. We cannot carry our own burden of sin. We do that and God's judgment and condemnation will be upon us. I want to explain. You see, if you trust in Christ, God gives himself to us daily in the person of his son Jesus and indeed through the spirit of Jesus who reminds us of who Jesus is and what he has done. As believers on the Lord Jesus, we can daily ask forgiveness for our sin and we need to do that for the sins that we commit every day and we know he will forgive us. But more importantly, and this shows us that this daily pardon isn't cheap forgiveness, More importantly, you see on the wretched instrument of execution, the cross, he has dealt once and for all with our sin, which caused him to be made a curse on the cross. He has dealt once and for all with the evil that provokes the severity of his wrath against us. I'm reminded of 1 Peter 3. Lovely verse. You ready? Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. How good is that? He did that on the cross where the great exchange took place. He stood in our place. The curse of God for us on himself. The wrath of God for us on himself while we were rescued and saved from our sins. Our greatest burden which he lives completely, wonderfully, deliberately, forever. And so there can be no burden too heavy for Christ, for the cross is the proof. Now there may be some here who have not yet placed their trust in that exchange that Jesus did on the cross. It's so important, and I want to plead with you, that you don't let the opportunity go by. If you want to know more, then as indicated earlier, there's opportunity to respond via an e-response card. Click and connect. Do it. Ask your questions. Contact us. And maybe you do want to become a follower of Jesus today. That's great. We can help you with that. Go to your Bible, most importantly. But do look at the links on our site and talk to us. God gives himself to us daily. God gives himself to our entire journey. How tremendous. And thirdly and finally, God gives himself to us eternally. Verse 20, our God is a God who saves from the sovereign Lord is escape from death. Robert McCrum is an English journalist, stroke and death being amongst his favourite subjects. His attention was forced to these in 1995. He was 42-year-old and uh, he was a father, uh, married happily and so on, uh, but he had a massive stroke. Despite impressive recovery, he always lived in the shadow of death. He's now 72, and he's a go-to person for quotes on death with his recent book, um, Every Third Thought Shall Be My Grave. It's a quote from uh, Shakespeare's The Tempest. McCrum wants to know what lies ahead. He describes himself as a confused believer. In it, he writes... We might agree that life is a risky business whose outcome is always fatal. McCrum explores this taboo subject and likens death to an indifferent electrician switching off lights in the deserted stadium of the human soul. He says, as experts of the now, we must simply continue to live in the present. And then finally, he offers this advice. You ready? Ready? Keep fit, accept your fate, live in the moment. I think you've got to ask yourself, is that really all there is? And even if you know in your mind that that's not somehow right, I think you need to ask yourself, is that how I'm actually living And let me take it a step further for those who belong to New Life Church, living the message, keep fit, accept your fate, live in the moment. Let me speak to you personally for a second. I've been a follower of Jesus for over 40 years, and what's so wonderful about him uh, is that he's got the answers to life to the questions that we might have. Is that really all there is? What does lie ahead? How can we know? How should we live? Why should we live? Because you see, in the Bible, all the things that wreck our world and our experience are due to everyone's rejection of God, which the Bible describes as, for all have sinned. Now, just to be clear, It's not that if something happens to me personally, like illness and tragedy, that it's because of some personal sin. No, it's explained in the Bible as coming because of humanity's joint efforts to reject God. And that's the way it's been since the first humans. We think that our collective rejection of God and our living in God's world as if he doesn't uh, exist is a small matter. But the Bible says God doesn't. It is so cosmically serious. And that's why his son Jesus Christ had to come into the world. Now while we can't draw a direct connection between my sin, my rebellion against God and my particular sufferings and burdens, whether it's a virus like COVID-19 or disease, mental illness, disability, fear and so on. All of these things are foreign to this world as God intended it to be. But they're here because of our joint efforts to live without him our joint human effort in rejecting the creator who's given us this world and our lives. And I want to say, and this has been in my prayers these last months with the fires and drought as well, that sometimes these things can wake us up and cause us to ask our questions. Is this it? Is this all that really is? Who's in charge? What does lie ahead? How can we know? How should we live? The world, or most parts of it anyway, is being woken up. Fear, death, disease, disorder, and who can control it? It's happening, and during this time, there is a tremendous opportunity to give and to live the message. Because here's the thing, at the same time, God's promises to us are real. He talks about rescue from this wrecked and stuffed up world. A real rescue. A real rescue. And that rescue comes in the form of a saviour and of a glorious future world. And that's what David's words ultimately point to in verse 20. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Let me be crystal clear. Our God is a God who saves. Every word is filled with the aroma of Jesus Christ. For it is in Jesus that escape from death comes. To Jesus belongs deliverance from death. No other person in history has actually bodily risen from the dead and presented themselves never to die again and is now reigning in heaven. You see, Jesus' resurrection also guarantees that God will see us through to eternal life. He has watched, guarded, sustained, provided for us through our whole journey. And he does so even through the gates of heaven. And now, further proof due to the resurrection that He is with us eternally as He ushers us from physical death in this world uh, to new life in the next. Now when we talk about this world being disordered and a mess, death and decay is the ultimate evidence of our rebellion against our creator and we need to realise that we're part of the problem. I'm not worthy to have God give himself to me, whether in the entire journey, whether daily or eternally. I'm not worthy. You are not worthy, the Bible says. But Psalm 68 shouts out to us, of the greatness, the otherness, the glory, the intimacy, the care of this God. And it reminds us of the grace and burden bearing that Jesus did for the needy and undeserving. And who are they? That's me and that's you. And we see daily the seemingly unstoppable nature of the coronavirus and its deadly consequences on the frail and vulnerable. It reminds us of a much more deadly virus in the world, that deadly virus of sin that has infected every man, woman and child and has demonstrated impacts the very world we live in today. We see it all around us and within. And that is why the Easter message is so relevant to our world. Jesus came to be the antidote for sin. He came to be the antidote for death and Satan. He died so that we can be saved. Easter reminds us of God's love to save us from the epidemic of sin that is ultimately fatal if left untreated. Please come to him today. Come to him today, whether you're already his or if you're not his. For he has given himself to us in the person of his son, Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know that left to ourselves, we are just guessing about you and about life with all its complexities and uncertainties. But we thank you that Jesus has made you known and gives us understanding, certainty and hope. Thank you that he is alive and at work and with you, that he can give us life. For he has taken away your curse and your wrath. We pray today that you would be at work among us so that we may know you and that life he gives. In Jesus' name, amen.